Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include affordable housing, my interview with Black Knights Andy Walden and John Holbrook on the tappable equity market, and why we've had three straight days of rallies in the bond market. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Black Knight. Black Knight's data and analytics solutions help lenders mitigate risk and generate more leads and reduce costs. As a result, lenders across the U.S. trust Black Knight's data and analytics to help them be more competitive and grow their business. The great thing about inflation is if you spend the same on groceries, the bags are lighter and easier to carry home. Restaurants and food companies react to higher prices either by reducing their portion sizes or passing the cost on to the consumer. In real estate, does the modern definition of an affordable house mean 350 square feet for $130,000? Lennar thinks so. Owning a home has long been considered the quintessential American dream, but even with 84% of Americans saying they'd like to own a home one day, there's 51% who don't own today and worried they'll never get there. 94% of consumers say owning a home is part of the American dream, but 49% say they can't afford a down payment and 40% say home prices are too high in their area. Student loan debt weighs heaviest on millennials, with 19% citing it as a roadblock to home ownership. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Black Knight's Andy Walden and John Holbrook to talk about the tappable equity market. Today's episode is all about tappable equity, and we'll also talk about the market and valuations. I'm very pleased to have Andy Walden and John Holbrook on the show. Uh, and let's start with intros here. John, I know you're VP of valuation strategy over there at Black Knight, but can you give listeners a, a little more color on that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first of all, thanks for uh, having us today. Happy happy to be here. Um, I've been in the industry close to 28 years now. I started as a boots on the ground appraiser back in the day when we were still taping the uh, the photographs in the paper. So uh, I've, I've I've been in the business for a bit. Um, my journey led me to really a, a passion in technology and to create better efficiencies. So I began to develop technology uh, initially to uh, make appraising better. Uh, I worked for a very, very large AMC for several years where I kind of learned the, uh, the the struggles and the pain points that the lenders have. And then I spent uh, uh, nearly five years at Fannie Mae. I was their director of uh, collateral and strategy there where me and my teams were were closely aligned and a part of a lot of the appraisal modernization efforts that, that everybody's aware of today now at the GSEs. Uh, I've now been with Black Knight for uh, three years. Um, my total time here is really five or six, if you include the years I had at Collateral Analytics before joining. And uh, my passion is the same. I, I still love trying to build products that just make the, the digital mortgage journey uh, better for everybody. I'm Andy Walden. I head up the enterprise research and strategy team at Black Knight, which basically means that I get to swim in the ocean that is Black Knight's data and, and analytical solutions, whether it's our mortgage performance data, Black Knight home price index, collateral analytics, as, as John mentioned, rate lock data, SIDEX public records data, and really identify the, the key trends that are going on in the market, help set strategy internally, help set strategy with some of our clients and prospects out there in the market. And then have have kind of market discussions like we're having here today. So looking forward to it. Yes, very happy to have both of you on. And Andy, I have a couple of questions for you here at the start before we'll bring John in. And I, I want you to help bring some clarity, if not sense, to this housing market right now, or 
lack thereof in a lot of ways. <laughs> and as we record this, mortgage rates are north of 7%. What what sort of effect is that having in terms of affordability, its impact on demand, and how they both might influence downstream price trends? Yep, yep. That's a great question. And I don't know if I can bring any sense to it, but I'll try to bring the, the clarity and, uh, and at least some insight into what we're seeing out there in the market. So I mean, you, you mentioned it, right? Rates over 7% right now. Affordability has been a huge issue. It continues to kind of worsen as, as rates get higher and higher, and especially as home prices push higher this spring. So if we kind of quantify that a little bit, it, it currently takes 38% of the median income to just make the mortgage payment on the average home purchase today. It's 14 percentage points above long run average. And it's hard to put into to context exactly what that means. But if we kind of break down, I think one thing that stuck out to me is is what would it take to get back to to normal in, in today's market? How far out of whack are we? If we look at those three needle movers, right? Home prices, incomes, and interest rates, and what it would take to get back to normal, it would take roughly a 27% decline in home prices or a four percentage point decline in interest rates from where we are today, or a 60% rise in incomes from where we are today. I mean, all of those numbers are, are, are kind of staggering. And kind of let you know how far out of out of whack affordability has become, and it also tells you that none of those needles are going to move that much that quickly, right? So we're kind of staring down the the nose of affordability that's going to be a challenge for the foreseeable future and likely for years to come. Um, when we look at what that's meant to demand and kind of that supply demand equation and, and prices out there in the market, demand has been a challenge all year, right? We've been running anywhere from twenty five to forty percent below of pre-pandemic levels in terms of purchase rate lock volumes and in demand out there in the purchase market, we're at the low end of that spectrum right now. We're back to roughly 40% below kind of quote unquote normal levels in terms of demand out there in the market. And you're seeing that continue to suppress sales volumes and, and transaction volumes. And sales are uh, in, in July fell to their lowest level since roughly 2012. On the other end of that spectrum, we all know that lack of inventory still persists. And we've started to see that improve a little bit, right? The, the slowdown in speeds out there in the market has allowed inventory to build a little bit. Right? We've seen it rise in each of the last three months. It's only up about 7%, but at least moving in the right direction. Um, and, and I think that could serve to kind of slow down the market a little bit as we move over the next couple of months. Um, in terms of overall prices themselves and, and what we've seen in terms of trends there, it's been a pretty hot spring, right? Everywhere from February to June saw month over month gains above the 25-year average. Uh, July, we hit yet another record high in terms of home prices. Annual home price growth is starting to trend higher after slowing to effectively zero. It's trended up over the last couple of months to 2.5%. But you are seeing a couple of those early signs of, of slowdowns. And I think the affordability equation that we just talked about is going to continue to kind of compress the, the, the market, right? Uh, average purchase price and rate lock data starting to come down. If you look at our collateral analytics data and you look at median price per square foot and you seasonally adjust that, starting to come down over the last couple of months. If you look at our July Black Knight home price index and you look at month over month gains in July, back below 25 year averages. So there are some signs that the market has already started to slow down. And I think you could see that continue, uh, especially given how tight affordability has become. Yeah, you said a lot there, and I guess the the silver lining of it all is hopefully we've seen the worst of it, and and things only improve from here on out for companies. I know it's been incredibly hard for the entire industry, and and I want to dive into the data here a little bit. And recently, I saw some of your data reported. Not sure if it was on TV or in one of the trades, but the essence was there's been a rebound in homeowner equity along with the firming prices you mentioned. How bad had it gotten, and what's the latest on that front? 
Yeah. And I mean, if we kind of think back to the the housing market conversations we were having towards the the tail end of last year, I mean, some of those West Coast markets, I'm looking specifically at markets like San Jose and San Francisco last year, dropped prices faster than any market we've seen historically, right? It didn't get as deep as a great uh, financial crisis, but we saw some very sharp price declines um, in, in the West Coast late last year. And you saw homeowner equity kind of trail along with that. And at, at one point back in December, we were down 14% over a matter of a, a handful of months in terms of how much equity homeowners had across the U.S. and how much equity they had to borrow against. Now, with prices firming up again this spring and, and, and picking up, and again, with uh, home prices back to record highs in July, we've now seen a lot of that equity rebound. We're not quite back where we were last summer because some of those West Coast markets still remain a little bit constrained and down from where we were last year. But we're back up to $10.5 trillion of lendable equity, up to $16 trillion of total mortgage holder equity, back to about 3 to 4% of where we were uh, at the peak of the market last year. And the good news when we look at it from a home equity lending standpoint is it's held by very high credit quality borrowers. Two thirds of that equity is held by folks that have 760 plus credit scores. So a pretty opportunistic environment for folks looking to lend on that equity. I'm glad you mentioned that, Andy. And there are lots of homeowners out there who are sitting on a ton of equity and they could borrow against that and still have a pretty sizable buffer. So last question for you here before I turn to John. Are they actually borrowing against that? What Are high HELOC rates effectively shutting down that corner of the market? What's going on there? It's a, it's a good question. I wouldn't say shutting down, but you're certainly seeing constraint and you're seeing it affect how and how much of that equity is being withdrawn, right? So if we look at the second quarter of this year, we saw about $39 billion of equity withdrawn, up marginally from the first quarter, but that was roughly half of what we saw last year in terms of overall equity withdrawals. Now, a lot of that comes from just the, the overall contraction that we know is taking place in cash out lending, and, and rightfully so with 30-year rates uh, at where we know they are today. We've seen roughly a 35% or excuse me, a 75% reduction in uh, equity withdrawn via cash out refinances. Now, HELOCs have been the beneficiary of some of that, right? Everybody wants to hold on to their first lien rate. Um, so you're seeing more and more folks push into that HELOC space. If you look at HELOC interest rates, they're not immune to what's going on with the Fed. In the average HELOC rate offering get up above eight and a half percent in recent months. There are some folks offering uh, HELOC rates that start with a nine right now. So certainly some constraint, right? We say roughly a, a 30 to 35% headwind that the HELOC market is facing this year versus what you traditionally would see in terms of withdrawal rates. But certainly it's kind of the option du jour for folks that are looking to capitalize on that equity out there and still hold on to their record low first lien rate. And John, bringing you in here, I'm sorry that... Uh that I'd asked Andy back to back to back questions, but your team's focused on creating products that improve the digital mortgage journey for lenders, appraisers, and the home buyer, right? What about the equity space? How are you working to streamline that? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Um, so I think before I dive into how we're streamlining the process, it probably makes sense for me to talk a little bit about the traditional processes that are being challenged uh, for some context. Uh, as Andy's been talking about today, you know, at current interest rates, Cash out refis simply don't make a lot of sense as a HELOC does, and therefore borrowers are turning to HELOCs to pay off credit cards or to do home improvements. Now, a lot of curious homeowners are simply going to go to Google because that's what they do all the time uh, to learn about the home equity process because it's easy. Uh, if you go to Google right now and type in home equity loan or home improvement loan, you might be surprised to find that instead of national banks and credit unions showing first, 
there are several new companies that are entering to the HELOC space. Uh, some of these new entrants promote a five-day closing with no appraisal needed. And that's a pretty big deal for homeowners, not only for the perceived cost savings, but also at the speed and the less hassle. Someone looking at a HELOC isn't trying to lower their monthly mortgage payment. They're typically under some sort of pressure to pay off a high-interest credit card, or maybe they have some other pressing life event that they need quick cash for. So speed and certainty are really a big deal to today's homeowner. And it's this paradigm shift that's inspired us to think of new ways to help Black Knight's customers, even the playing field, and, and enable a seamless journey for the borrowers when it comes to a HELOC. Now, to your earlier point, Black Knight has been laser-focused for years on the appraisal modernization efforts being led by the GSEs. Uh, we've already built and successfully deployed mobile applications that capture data and photographs of a property, which are really a driving component of the GSE's modernized workflow. So we're not starting from scratch here. Instead, we're leveraging what we've already learned and uh, simply reconfiguring and pivoting our tools to empower our customers to provide a better experience for their borrowers. So how do we do that? Um, our primary goal is to provide a transparent, credible, and objective valuation while simultaneously removing the friction and costs associated with those traditional methods. But what's also very important to us is to create solutions that maintain compliance with the lender's existing internal risk policies so they're easy to adopt. Uh, Black Knight already has top-ranking AVMs that our customers use today to pre-underwrite or perhaps use as a lead generator for a HELOC. Um, and when those AVMs are combined with a property condition report, they meet the interagency guideline requirements for an evaluation that a lender can utilize to close that loan. Now, what's new and exciting is the emergence of artificial intelligence that can read photographs of a property and recognize things like condition and quality of a home. So if we inject this capability into our existing uh, mobile technology, along with other Black Knight assets, we're able to introduce a new solution for HELOCs that we call Validate. So Validate's a mobile application that starts with a simple hyperlink that the, uh, the lender can send to their borrower via email, via text, or integration with their loan application. Uh, the borrower is then guided to take some specific and strategic interior and exterior photos of their home with the mobile application. Now, this entire process less is really only takes less than 10 minutes. Um, we leverage GPS and other built-in controls to instill confidence to the lender that their property photos are original, unaltered, and in fact, the photos of the subject property. Now, we then process those Im images with the photo AI I was talking about, and uh, now have a solid understanding of the property's condition and quality that follow the same definitions that a real estate appraiser would use. Now, knowing this condition and quality is, is huge. It allows us to run an AVM based on these additional details where adjustments can now be made to the value based on uh, this information. So there's been some home improvements, our AVM will adjust to those home improvements. If the home needs a, a little work and a little help, then the AVM is gonna also make uh, adjustments in that direction as well. What's great now is Validate can inform the lender how similar the subject is to surrounding properties. Uh, we provide a 12-month listing history and 30-month, six-month sales history, much like they would expect in an appraisal, uh, as well as the estimated equity uh, based on any existing loans on the property. Uh, now, this full report can be viewed and reviewed by the lender's risk department, very similar to reviewing an appraisal or evaluation. So there's really not a lot of change to their existing processes. The win-win, however, is the lender gets a condition-adjusted value on the property, along with a property condition report 
on day one. The lender also gets interior and exterior images that they would not get from a drive-by property inspection. At the end of the day, it's truly more robust risk review of the property when compared to a drive-by at a fraction of the time and the cost. The other win here for the bank is the sticky factor. You know, when that potential borrower went to Google, like I talked about earlier, they're going to get hammered with ads and their social media feeds for days, trying to grab their business for that HELOC. When empowered with things like Validate, a lender can now take the time and fric friction out of that process and provide an answer earlier on day one instead of day 10. That lender is going to be much more likely to keep that customer and lowering their acquisition costs. That certainly sounds like simple, accessible technology, which is something there's a clear short of in the mortgage industry. And I, I want to ask you in closing here, John, isn't that the sort of technology that today's consumers should expect, frankly? Uh, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, today's first-time homebuyer's average age is in their 30s. Now, what's weird to think about is that generation uh, was only 14 years old when the iPhone came to the market. So they've effectively lived their entire adult life using apps for just about everything in their life. Uh, I'll give you an example. My own daughter, who is 18, uh, if we pull into Chick-fil-A, she'd rather pull into a parking spot and order her food on her phone and, rather than go to the drive-thru. And when I asked her this, I said, well, wh why do you do it that way? She says, well, Dad, because that's just the way I operate. I, I like to go into an app. I like to have that control. I, I like to self-serve. And then when I drive through, I just have to show somebody my QR code. So to me, it's even faster. So it's it's that kind of mentality that's already in today's buyer is very, very instilled in tomorrow's buyer. So adopting these types of new technologies, they're going to be uh, necessary to survive uh, because, as you said, this is the new expectation. Well, hopefully you can instill in your daughter that the, the most enjoyable part of Chick-fil-A is the customer service that they have when you go in and Talk to them. They're the nicest people in the world. But I, I would also agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> your, your point is certainly well taken. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you both very much for your time today. That was great. You bet. Thank you. Yep. Thank you as well. We've now had three straight days of rallies in the bond markets, e.g. prices up, rates down. And that's happened about once in a blue moon as of late. The last time was in May. So good thing that we had a blue moon last night. Or and in quotes, good thing that we received some weaker than expected economic data in the form of the private sector adding 177,000 jobs in August versus 200,000 expectations, according to the ADP employment report yesterday. There was also the Dallas Fed manufacturing index falling to the lowest level since May of 2020, and pending home sales falling in all four U.S. regions compared to one year ago. However, there were no significant changes to rate hike expectations, with the implied likelihood of a November hike remaining just below the 50% mark. Today brings the all-important personal consumption expenditure report for July, which saw income and spending up 0.2% and up 0.8% respectively, both higher than expected, versus expectations of increases of 0.3% and 0.6% month over month respectively. The core PCE price index for July came in up 0.2%, and up 3.3% for the year, meaning no acceleration in inflation, versus expectations of it increasing 0.2% month over month and 4.2% year over year, compared with 0.2% and 4.1% previously. In employment news, we've also received job cuts from Challenger for August. 
U.S.-based employers announced 75,151 cuts in August, a 217% increase from the 23,697 cuts announced one month prior, 267% higher than the 20,485 cuts announced in the same month in 2022. Weekly jobless claims were 228,000, down from 230,000, with 1.725 million continuing claims. Later this morning, bring Chicago PMI for August, Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, and remarks from Atlanta Fed President Bostich and Boston Fed President Collins. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 4.09 after closing yesterday at 4.12%. The two years at 4.86 after the slew of economic news. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. And today we have a, a guest joke from a seven-year-old on our local news channel. A vegan and a vegetarian are jumping off a cliff to see who will hit the bottom first. Who wins? I don't know. Who wins? Society. We're <laughs> <laughs> not expecting that. <laughs> Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Black Knight. Black Knight is an award-winning software, data, and analytics company that drives innovation in the mortgage and real estate industries in the capital and secondary markets. The company's data and analytics division provides comprehensive property and mortgage data, as well as market-leading analytics. To learn more, visit blackknightinc.com slash climate risk. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.